Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Weston Walker at Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Kyle Bailey taking over at 3 o'clock. He'll be with you until 6 p.m. alongside Smoke Ludwig. And you can text us all on the Garage Door Guru text line at 704-570-9610. So I teased it going into the weekend that D'Amico Ryans, Gerard Mayo, a couple of former NFL players, very good linebackers during their days playing in the NFL. They have since turned assistant coach and defensive coordinator in this league. But we had the interview that Gerard Mayo was supposed to have with Carolina. Gerard Mayo backed out of that. Seems like he's going to be sticking with New England as far as I can tell. And D'Amico Ryans, that coaching interview did not happen because of quote-unquote logistics. Maybe it has something to do with the fact that San Francisco is still in the postseason. And so... The Carolina Panthers turned their attention to the defensive coordinator with the Denver Broncos. But maybe we don't have to do the whole profile thing here because these guys aren't going to be the next head coach. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, D'Amico Ryans, Wes, he was one of those guys that I think got a lot of interest when Matt Rule was fired. I mean, D'Amico was someone that, okay, if you want to go with that defensive mind, if Steve Wilkes is not the guy at the end of the year, but you still want to go with... What has been the stronger suit for Carolina throughout their franchise history? D'Amico Ryans with San Francisco would be a, a really good candidate to bring in. The number one defense in all of the NFL this past season, a lot of people feel that, you know, working with some really talented players, but also doing the most with that group of players. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't look like it's going to happen. How would you feel about a D'Amico Ryans with you being a San Francisco fan um, would you like him to be a head coach if you were a, a, the fan of a franchise? Uh, I think so, because now I did say that to me, he took Robert Sala's guys and just kind of like mm-hmm. I met, made the bring it on comparison, saying that he just kept That's it going. Right. And I feel that way in a lot of respects. But I do think some of the things about his background do speak to him being uh, a coach. Uh, the thing about his defenses, though, when you do look at it, is that I'm sure, and every defensive coach does, but his defenses have been big on causing turnovers. If you look at his first season in as the 49ers as defensive coordinator, eight different guys recorded an interception uh, on that third-ranked defense, and they forced 22 fumbles, which was the most in the NFL and the most in a single season by the 49ers since 1994. So his defense is definitely – pride themselves on getting the football back to the offense and just causing havoc. Havoc. Uh, you look at their ranks this year, they're second against the run, first in total defense, first in points, 20th in pass defense. But to me, that means nothing because individual run and pass defense is always a bit skewed to me because if you have a great run defense, well, of course you're going to give up more passing yards because teams are going to give up on the run early, throw it more on you, and you're going to have more pass yards. So to me, that doesn't really mean much. But also just the fact that, you know, he was AP Defensive Rookie of the Year. He was a first-team All-Pro. He made a couple of Pro Bowls. And the position that he played, he was a Mike linebacker. And I think that's one of the leadership positions on your football team in a lot of cases. So I think that when it 
when you talk to leading a group, leading men, like they like to say, uh, being a leader of men, uh, that they like to say a lot. I think that position and his background lends itself to that. He played it at a high level so he can see the field and, and feel things very well as a defensive guy. So I think for him it would just come down to offensive philosophy. What does he want to do? Because we know a lot of defensive coaches are conservative by nature. Is he that type of coach? Probably because, like I said, most defensive coordinators are uh, by nature. But I think for him, just getting the head coaching position, I think it's a matter of time. Uh, like I said, I think his playing background and everything that's gone with it, he's been, regardless of, of what guys' players he had or him picking up where Salah left off, we see Salah's doing a pretty good job up there, especially if he can get a quarterback there. That's what's been hurting them. We see he automatically has this Jets defense as uh, one of the more feared defenses in the NFL. So uh, I think for D'Amico, it's just a matter of time. So I think a franchise should be uh, good with him coming in as a head coach. Well, and we can discuss whether it was truly uh, Robert Sala implementing the system defensively that D'Amico Ryans was just able to take advantage of. But at the same time, those two guys actually take over in those roles with San Francisco at the very same time. So 2017, Robert Sala is the defensive coordinator with San Francisco. And that same year, D'Amico Ryans becomes defensive quality control coach. Then he becomes inside linebacker coach before eventually getting the defensive coordinator job at 37 just last season. So now he's completing his second season as an NFL defensive coordinator. This could be one of those things where D'Amico, whenever he is the head coach of some franchise, you're kind of looking at the Robert Sala tree that hasn't started yet because he's only been a head coach in the league for two years. And so you might say the Kyle Shanahan tree, which it does take some smart in tune football intelligence to name Sala as your DC. And then D'Amico is also a guy that could be on that staff. But at the same time, this could just be the Robert Sala tree. You look at what the New York Jets defense did this past season. It was fantastic. Yeah. And so now, okay, you're, you're getting a piece of, of D'Amico working with Sala since 2017 until he left for the Jets organization. So you're getting four years with Sala. And now you're seeing him at the helm two years in a row. No doubt, very good players. But two years in a row, you're getting D'Amico as the guy that is calling the plays. I think he would be a great head coaching candidate. The difference here in Carolina is that you already have a defensive guy in Steve Wilkes. Mm -hmm. And Steve Wilkes has Al Holcomb as his defensive coordinator. Now, we did hear that the Falcons interviewed Al Holcomb or are interested in interviewing Al Holcomb um, to be a part of their organization as well. They seeked permission. They didn't need permission, as Joe Person would write as well. But Al Holcomb you know, could be gone. Not sure. We do know that he's a Steve Wilkes guy following him to Arizona when Wilkes was that head coach. But to me, if you're going to go defensive-minded, I think some people have kind of just wondered why you would go to a different defensive-minded guy if you already have one here in Steve Wilkes. You know, and part of that is, okay, D'Amico coached the number one defense in all the NFL this year. He comes from a Robert Sala tree that has clearly demonstrated success being a defensive-minded guy. And so maybe you just... Think of him as a better coach defensively than what Steve Wilkes is. But to me, I, I do find it hard to go with D'Amico Ryans when you do have Steve Wilkes here as your head coach now that did go 500 when the players are so vocal about wanting Steve Wilkes to be that to be that guy in place. So I, I kind of subscribe to that theory. If you're thinking about D'Amico Ryans, if you're thinking about Gerard Mayo, I, I'd probably rather just stick with Steve Wilkes as the next head coach of this franchise. Well, what's interesting is when you look at Coach Wilkes' track record as a defensive coordinator in this league, and that's why I think a lot of it 
you, you know, personnel matters, of course, because his best season when you look at yards and points was 2017 in Carolina. They went seventh in yards, 11th in points. But other than that, 2018 Arizona, he's 20th in yards, 26th in points. 2019 in Cleveland, 22nd in yards, 20th in points. And in 2022 uh, this year, uh, as the head coach, the defense is 22nd in yards, 19th in points. So, you know, that's the interesting thing that you look at and how much do you decipher is it what Ryans is doing and implementing and putting that great talent in awesome positions to make the plays that they make? Uh, that's something you could look at because, like I said, Coach Wilkes' track record as a defensive coordinator, albeit regardless of what type of uh, personnel he might have had, it isn't sterling. And so you know with me when I'm hiring a head coach, I like a guy that's got a sterling background because to me that lends itself to you being promoted. So, I mean, when you compare him to a guy like Ryans, I mean, Ryans, his – his numbers the last two years, regardless of who he's had out there, has been as impressive as it gets. No, it, it has been. It, clearly a better personnel group. And the one time that you had a decent enough personnel group when you're discussing Steve Wilkes, it was 2017. And you had the seventh overall ranked defense when it comes to total yards per mm-hmm. game. And I know you were mentioning some of these some of these stats. But just yeah. to reiterate, the most successful season, 11th in points. Mm-hmm. And rushing defense, something that this team has struggled with mightily here recently, it was third in yards and third and touchdowns passing defense, you know, trailed off a little bit in that 2017 season. But you're talking about Carolina that was you know, losing some of those guys that had gotten them to a Super Bowl two years prior. Right. You are talking about Arizona, which I can't even tell you the last time they had a good defense, to be honest with you. It's, it's never been a team I look at and say, okay, that defense has been absolutely stellar. Cleveland defensive coordinator had some work, you know, there, but you only get one year per spot to implement your system. So one year as DC, because remember he was a defensive back coach. And if you want to go to that, well, then we can start to apply that a little bit more to Josh Norman and his breakout season. It took time for Norman to cook. Like there he was, he was always the training camp MVP. And then he became a possible team MVP outside of the real one with Cam Newton. But you get the idea. He becomes all pro that year. And so you're talking about implementing Charles Tillman, that Super Bowl season, Kurt Coleman having a career year here with Carolina, getting a lot of interceptions there, right? So, you know, I think defensive back coach is where you're seeing a lot of success with him. And now can you have a system implemented for more than one season where you can really see Steve Wilkes career take off? I think that's what would be so unfortunate. If Wilkes does not get this job, then we're just doing the whole one season and gone thing again. Like, it's crazy. If you look at his, he's been in the league for a long time just as an assistant and defensive backs, right? We've already gone over that. But one year as D.C. for Carolina 2017. One year as head coach in Arizona in 18. One year for Cleveland defensive coordinator. That was it. And now here he is a head coach. He might not even get a full year before you replace him. That's what's got to be hard if you're Steve Wilkes. To not be given what you feel like is a, is a, is a fair shake anywhere you go. Like, not even Arizona, which is the often referred to team, anywhere. Because here, if he doesn't get this job, would you say that Steve Wilkes was given a fair shot over the last 12 games? Because I would say no. If he was not given the full head coaching gig, if he was not named permanent head coach, it's hard to view what happened. Expected to do what is an incredible job. Go 500 with an identity that wasn't yours at first, with players that quarterbacks that you didn't want to bring on board because Matt Rule made that decision with what was in his contract. I don't know if I could call it a fair job. And David Tepper would move on after that. Man, it's hard. And I would understand any frustration that comes out of Steve Wilkes' camp.
Yeah, I mean, I can agree with that as well. So maybe he does get that chance to prove it. It's looking like the more candidates that they bring in at that chance will not happen, uh, you know. But at the end of the day, the numbers and the stats and the facts are what they are. And maybe, you know, he will get a chance if it's not here one day to go somewhere else and and prove himself more. Uh, But I know that's got to be frustrating for him. Uh, Just I'm sure he just wants to get that opportunity just to really put his imprint on a franchise. And as we keep talking here, the offensive coordinators, it looks like it's going to be an offensive minded guy. I, I fully expect Steve Wilkes to not get this job. And I've come to terms with that as the week, the week and a half has gone on ever since you lose to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and then you lose to the Saints or excuse me, you beat the Saints, but it's it's all for kind of not because you already lost Tampa Bay. The season was out the door as soon as that happened. And that game against the Saints didn't feel like a victory because despite you winning, you didn't get to the postseason and it was so ugly. That game was awful. But hey, you did go 500 despite all of that. Every single day, I feel a little bit worse about Steve Wilkes being the head coach here in Carolina, especially with these reports that David Tepper is enamored with Ben Johnson, that Sean Payton, now there's a possibility you could bring him on board. The other offensive minds like Ken Dorsey, who has ties here, Mike Kafka, who was on the staff that allowed the Giants to move on from Minnesota. Wes, the further we get out, we've mentioned it a couple times, but it holds true the further you get out the worse and worse you feel about Wilkes retaining this job. And I also feel like by this point, if they really wanted to hire him, and I'm not saying it's over with, but I think if they really wanted to hire him, they would have gone ahead and done it. They would have went ahead. They wouldn't have put out a report before the Tampa Bay game saying that they're looking at other guys. I think if they really wanted him by this point in the process, they would have chosen Well, and it's a great point because think about how he – we're thinking about how he's going to feel if he doesn't get this job. Hell, think about what he feels now. Because now you're you're going after Sean Payton. There are reports about Ben Johnson. It's hard not to feel like the second option if you go the Steve Wilkes route. Now, Sean Payton would make you feel more like that because nobody's taking Ben Johnson right now. So it, Steve Wilkes would still be the first option unless Ben Johnson said, I wanted to go with Detroit or I wanted to go to a different NFL franchise. But yeah, I mean, if it's Sean Payton, and then Peyton decides, you know what, I'd rather go coach Denver. I can fix Russell. I like that situation better. And then David Tepper in Carolina comes back to Steve Wilkes. And I'm like, all right, well, you know, you'll, you'll get the job. Yeah. I mean, he'd still accept it, especially with there not being any other interest reportedly from other franchises. But it's more frustration coming from Wilkes, man. That's just how it goes. Do you feel like that tells you a lot, though, the fact that there's not much interest? Well, I don't know what that says, to be honest with you. And and that's a fair question, but I don't know if Steve Wilkes just desperately wants this job more than other teams because it means more, because he grew up in the area, because of his ties to the city of Charlotte. And I wonder if some of these other coaches are going after the offensive minds more so as well. And D'Amico Ryan's being, you know, a a younger candidate that's exciting as well. I don't know what these other vacancies are going to entail. Um, but yeah, I don't I don't know how I would speculate there, but you're right. There aren't other franchises that are coming in and saying, hey, let's interview Steve Wilkes because we would like him to be the next head coach. All right, we'll talk a little bit more about that throughout the week. Plenty on the coaching decision that we still don't have any word on who is going to be the permanent head coach. What about with the Charlotte Hornets? How much longer is Steve Clifford going to be with the Hornets franchise? We'll talk about that coming up next on Wesson Walker, Sports Radio 92.7 FM.
recap the Charlotte Hornets weekend once again. Wes discussing how people need to show up more so at the Spectrum Center than what they did this past game on MLK Day just yesterday. We saw a whole bunch of MVP chants from Boston Celtics fans, tons of Jason Tatum jerseys in the stands. We'll discuss that on whether the fans should be showing up for the team right now. We'll get to that in just a moment. I do want to talk a little bit more, though, about what Fiddy was mentioning during the break. I'm excited about your plans. Is it this weekend that you're doing this, Fiddy? Yeah. You and Flounder are going to go wedding clothes shopping, attending Willie P's wedding on the 28th. That's correct. So you do not have an outfit planned yet. But it is funny because all we see you in is lots of Tar Heel stuff. You and Flounder, both mm-hmm. Tar Heel stuff, Cowboys, Giants stuff, Mets stuff. And that's it. Yeah. When you dress up, quote unquote, when we have to go out in public via remote or an ACC media day, you wear your WFNZ polo with a Charlotte Hornets logo on it. And you joked about me being one shirt. And that's the one that you wear anytime <laughs> that you go out. So it is hard to see what you might wear to a wedding. What are you thinking right now? Do you and Flounder have some idea about what you're going to go purchase? I, I, I don't really know. Like, Flounder's got to get everything from the shoes to the pants. Like, I've got the shoes and the pants covered. As far as I know, i got to try them on, make sure I didn't outfat them. It's more about <laughs> it's about figuring out, you know, what I'm going to wear in terms of because like Willie wants us to wear coats like sport coats. OK, so it's uh, like semi formal then. Oh, it's yeah. It's like black tie optional type of thing. OK, OK. Got but it. I mean, y'all got Jordans. That's the shoes right there. Do you do you guys need you're saying to wear the Jordans? Listen yeah. to the swag lord. That is Wes Bryant. Thank you. Yeah, I, I do Jordans. I feel like I have to ask Willie P for for permission if that's okay. I mean, what's he gonna say? Turn you away from the gate? Is he gonna Is he gonna say no? You have to get out of here. And he might have a lot of control over this thing, being the groom. You might think, <laughs> and so maybe he could say no. You guys have to leave if you don't have dress shoes on, and instead you walk up in Jordan. I bet you anything, y'all won't be the only ones there with sneakers. I mean, Jordans though, maybe. But I'm I'm interested in what the shirt. Are you gonna wear just like a button up, and or are you gonna yeah, go you like a full suit? What are you going to do? See, I don't know. I mean, my budget says just a button up. But I mean, Willie was like, you need to have a full suit. (laughs) That way, when you're on a remote, you can look the part. Okay, so you're going to go full suit. I I had to go very crunch time jacket shopping. But for me, I got a weird body. My arms are long, but I'm like tall, but my torso isn't as tall as what you might think. Like given my whole height. Exactly. It's very weird and it's loose fitting. It's really loose fitting, and so it looks like I'm wearing a robe sometime in my jackets. And so you got to get tailored. Is that going to be something for you where you have to get tailored, or can you find something nice off the rack? See, I don't know. Maybe this uh, is what we do. He definitely can. You think he can? Yeah, what do you, from, What are you doing from, Saturday? Oh, I'm, <laughs> I'm not going to go shopping with you. I'm not doing this. You have experience. Whether we are. No, Wes is the guy that you need That's to what ask. I'm saying. I'm, uh, no, knock to Walker, which I hate when people say that because normally it is a knock. Yeah, but go no, ahead and disrespect me right now. I'm just saying, Fiddy, how you going to. Come on, man. Me and Bryce will meet you. Okay. There well, you... I mean, you're a working man. I don't want to. This is true, but. but uh, <laughs> Why we... am I catching so many strays in the side <laughs> conversation? We can. We, yeah, me and Bryce will come out there and meet you. But no, I think Fiddy won't have any trouble because the, the trouble I run into is with Blazers. Everybody always carries regulars, and I need long. Yeah, exactly. That's the aggravating or part. Or extra longs. Yeah. I need, but Fiddy, he he should be fine. Off, do you have any clue what we're talking about? No. Off the rip, how much How much am I, do I need to be, do I need to be prepared to spend? 
Well, what all do you plan on getting? Are you going to buy a Blaze? I mean, there's places you can get good. Let's go some deep. And I would say uh, Belk is a good place to yeah, go because they always have good sales. Go to the mall. Yeah. Go to the department stores. Yeah. Go see some of the deals Belk, that they might Burlington have. Burlington Co. Factory. I uh-huh. mean, a good Blazer, I mean, you, you don't have to break the bank, but you should be able to find something. Depending on the sale, whatever the case may be, in the sixty to hundred dollar, hundred twenty dollar range. I mean, yeah, you're gonna need to spend triple digits on this. I mean, if you want to get something nice that you don't, that you would like to wear out and not be made fun of. Yeah, but I mean, see, I can get you right on a budget though. That's why you need to go with me. So Wes is Wes deal. is willing. Are you going to leave him out in the cold like you did when he wanted to go get lunch with you the other day, or are you going to accept his <laughs> invite to go help you wedding clothes shop? No, I mean, I do like for for guys like me and Flounder who have never like we've been to a wedding as adults. Mm-hmm. And it was a formal wedding at the beach. So, like, we went to American Eagle and bought a $15 shirt, and we thought we were fancy. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, we need to be pointed in the right direction. Yeah. And we also work in radio. Money's tight. You know, I don't want to go out here and spend big Skrilla if I don't have to. So now a couple people are telling you to go to Goodwill. I've never been to Goodwill to go that's, and get a jacket. That's not a bad option. Either. No, I've never been there to get a jacket, but I do know a couple people have written here, 704-570-9610. Go to Goodwill. Somebody said they only spent 10 bucks on a jacket, and it was pretty nice. And so you just want it to fit you well. That's yeah. it. I mean, that's the key to any that suit. That is key. I mean, if it's not, it can be crazy. You know, it can be wild. You can put your own personality on it, which I don't know if that's something you would do, but just make sure it fits you well, and it doesn't matter where you get it. And Wes is going to help you do that. Yeah. You guys are going to have the whole montage. I can picture it now. I want some. I want to hire some cameraman to follow you, have the music montage in the background where Fitty goes into the in, goes into the uh, changing room. He comes out. The camera I'm sitting pans in the chair and I'm like, no, 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 no. that's not it. Yeah. Fitty goes back in, he comes back out. He's a little more interested. Oh! No, that's not it. And then the moment comes, I'm like, oh, yep, thumbs up. That's Wink. it. That's it. Absolutely. Why are you in the dressing room with me? He's not. I no, know, I'm he's, sitting outside. He's sitting outside. You're coming out of the dressing room and you're showing him the outfits that you have on. Oh, okay. Nobody's going in the, and as much as that would excite you, nobody is going in the dressing <laughs> room. And what's the breaking news, Fitty? Uh, I texted Willie P. Uh-huh. And I said, would you care if I wore Jordans to your wedding? He replied like that. Like, I think he was waiting for the text. Oh, yeah. Yes. So, so, he would care. He would care. Well, what kind of Jordans do you have anyway? Are they, the, they ones, one. the ones that I brought out the other day that y'all oh, were like, yeah. the wolf, yeah, 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 bring yeah, the yeah, shoe yeah. game. And I was like, I wear these about once, twice a month. Why do you have to mock us when we're giving you a compliment? <laughs> <laughs> why, why does it work like that? I'm saying, hey, nice shoes. And then it turns out, oh, well, nice shoe game. I'm just trying to give you a compliment. Well, then I guess you got to get nice dress shoes as well. And that's going to cost yeah, a little bit more. I have those. I, like, like, oh, I'm, okay. I, I'm good on those. Um, I've got... I'm good on the socks. I'm good. I've got I've got a belt. Are so. you a crazy sock guy? I mean, would you would you put together or are you just going just straight black socks or are you gonna go something crazy? Yeah, no, I'm gonna go with straight black socks. Mm-hmm. I, I one time went into Julian's, a a store that Roy Williams used to call his suits at when he was Carolina's basketball coach on Franklin Street. Are you surprised? To <laughs> to get some socks. Mm-hmm. And they were they started at ninety dollars or more, and I walked Ooh. out. Yeah, so I'm yeah. saying, baby, Roy Williams walking in there with big bang. Um, so a lot of people are going with the department stores. Seven hundred four saying Dillard's clearance, Gastonia. You need to go to the gas house to get that. Be a big T from NC saying South Park belt suit department. That's where I went to South Park when I had to go in a crunch and uh, get a jacket. <laughs> it ended up not fitting, so I didn't really like it. But 
it is the place that I went to. So Men's Warehouse, Joseph A. Bank, pretty much all the places you would expect. You can go there. You know, I'm, I'm excited about this. I want a full recap on Monday. Or after you can you just guys, join us. I, I'm busy. I can't do it. What Ooh. What are you doing Saturday? I got, I got plans. I, I, I forget what they are, but I'll let you know a little bit later on. Let's talk about the Charlotte Hornets team where Wes came up with a take that fans should go to the Spectrum Center and support this team. And to me, you know, Wes, I don't I don't know if I like look at the fans and, and say that there's a big problem there when Jason Tatum is getting all these MVP chants from the stands. Mm-hmm. For me, I look at the team. Like, for me, it's not embarrassing as a Hornets fan. I don't know if that's necessarily any kind of embarrassment on the fandom or the people of Charlotte. Man, if you're the team, you don't like hearing that. And that ultimately falls on your on your plate to try to build as much talent as you possibly can by hitting on your draft picks. Because I, I'm not one that likes to legislate fandom. I mean, when you're talking about a, a, a person, a fan, that needs to spend money to go to the game, and NBA tickets, the closer you get to the court, obviously the more expensive they get, the worse you are, the, 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 the more cheap the tickets are, right? And we get all of that. But, man, I mean, this season has gone about as badly as you possibly could have asked for. And Mitch Kupchak, their big signing this offseason was bringing back Cody Martin for $8 million a year. True. And they just haven't hit on the last few draft picks. Even if we can give them credit for the first three years, PJ Miles on the court and then LaMelo. To me, man, I think a lot of this falls on the team to put a better product out there. And then the fans will come. It was not it was not that bad of an outcome when LaMelo was in his first and second year. I mean, you got fans out there and it was you know pretty good. When you're talking about the historic franchises, Boston has won a million games. They have a million championships, so they're always going to have a strong fan base wherever you go. It was loud, no doubt about it, but Boston, Lakers fans, they're everywhere. Right. And so for me, I don't know if I put that on Charlotte fans not showing up. I put it on the team for not building a strong enough contender. And if you do that, then you'll start to get the fans that show up and purchase a ticket for a product that's worth watching. Well, but I mean, I also pointed to teams that, aren't necessarily good year in, year out to have fans that show up regardless that have that that diehard fan base. Like, I mean, it's a different example, but like South Carolina football, their fans, 0-11, they showed up, you know, cheering whatever the case may be. But I'm just saying that, and I wasn't just pointing to this season. I was just saying in general, you know, when there are larger fan bases that come in from the more traditional teams, they seem to always take over the stadiums. And I just want the teams here to build real home court slash home field environments where it's difficult on teams when they come. And we've seen that with the Panthers where teams come in and there's a large contingent of the, like the Steelers game. Um, You know, I feel like in, in other organizations, albeit they may be more successful, but at that point, the Panthers were still in the playoff mix, so the excuse is gone there for them, you know, not to show up because of the record, but I just feel like the teams here don't really have true home court slash home field uh, advantages. Well, the thing about the Hornets is, man, you're talking about the most success that they have ever had being a seven-round first round, or seven-game first round series against the Heat. That's it. The other playoff appearance they had since the Bobcats came, the other two... 0-4 0-4 sweeps in the first round. So you had one seven-game series, and that's it. And so as a fan, you're talking about we're getting close to 20 years since this professional basketball franchise came back to the city of Charlotte. 20 years where this is still a franchise where even if you include the history before they left for New Orleans, 
they haven't reached a conference finals, which is crazy. To not even appear in the conference finals, it's real bad. Mm-hmm. And so when we had all of this excitement at first, they actually gave you something to play for in the early 90s where you do get Larry Johnson, you do get Alonzo Mourning, you have the novelty that is Muggsy Bogues, who, oh, wait, he's not only 5'3", but he's actually good at basketball. You have the exciting game-winning shot against the Boston Celtics that kind of sent them for dead afterwards. So you had that excitement where everybody is showing up. And then, I mean, just think about all of the hits that this fan base has taken. It's been pretty ridiculous. Mm -hmm. You lose your team after you did beloved it so much. You actually lost it at a time where they were building something close to maybe even getting to the Eastern Conference Finals, where they had that seven-game series against the Bucks. Ray Allen hits a corner three. The Bucks honestly, were kind of the better team against Philly, but AI was so special, he beat the Bucks, and then they go lose to the Lakers in the Finals. So then they leave after that, and then the Bobcats come aboard. They give you a 7-59 and season. You lose Anthony Davis. You lose some of these excellent players in the draft. There's just so many hits. Like, I, I can understand why it would take a winning franchise to get people back into the Spectrum Center. And it looks like we're about to do that again, Wes. They're going to have a top pick. But what and about? It's, it's unfortunate. But what about, like, last season? Last season. I thought fans showed up for the most part. Yeah, but I still thought it could have been better. There were a lot of empty seats. And but, when the but stars this is a team came. That got destroyed in the playing game. Right. But I'm talking about before that. When they were playing really good basketball, when they would be in the midst of winning streaks, you had an exciting product out there with Miles and Melo and all that. I think they showed up. But I'm saying there were a lot of empty seats on a lot of nights. So I felt like the crowd could have been better being that we had a young, exciting team. I felt like the support should have been better. And then you still had when teams came through with marquee players and stuff like that. It was very loud for them. That's what I want to get rid of. Like when the Grizzlies came last year, everybody was screaming for John Moran. It Mm -hmm. shouldn't be like that. When they come in, it should be ugly, nasty. Yeah, you should be able to hear your a little bit of fans for your team. But it should not be a place that guys come in and feel comfortable in. And that that that's my point. And you have franchises in every sport that's not. I mean, you look at the attendance report for this year. I mean, the Knicks. They haven't been blowing anybody's doors off since, hell, the Patrick Ewing days, really, if you really want to talk about it. They're seventh in attendance. I know it's the Knicks. I know it's New York. You well, got I, th- the I think that matters a lot, You got though. the Trailblazers at 10th. You had the Pistons at 11th. Uh, you know, the Spurs are even uh, seven spots ahead of the Hornets. And they're, you know, they're right there's one of the worst teams in, in basketball as well. So all I'm saying is that I'm not just speaking about this year. I'm just saying it should be environments in football and basketball where they make it difficult on the other team and don't make it feel comfortable for them. The Panthers actually have some success with with their Super Bowl appearances, but Wes, all those teams you mentioned, we can go to multiple championships or the literal biggest market in all of sports. I mean, we're going with the Knicks, the biggest market there is, Yeah. which then you're going to San Antonio, multiple championships the last two decades plus. Detroit multiple championships and as you know unfortunate as it is as hornets fans i mean you're even going to a championship in 04 i mean all those teams it's it's crazy the the drought is nuts i mean it is actually unparalleled you can't even go to the kings because the kings got to an eastern conference finals when they had chris weber and those guys to pay attention to Mm -hmm. like they got to a conference finals where you have that exciting series against the la lakers but the Hornets aren't there. I mean, they can't even go to what is usually the laughing stock in Sacramento mm-hmm. because the Hornets don't have that rich of a history. And so to me, when you're talking about that long suffering, 
it's why you want to get out of this so badly, and it's why people see hope when they see Victor Wimbenyama. Because this season is not going to lead to some in, some play-in win or even playoff win, and you're hoping that you can get Victor Wembanyama. And it might feel unfortunate to get the consolation prize that is Scoot Henderson, but at least it would be some talent to pair alongside Lamelo and who else, uh, whoever else they could bring in during the off seasons. All right, let's go to the last Fitty Flash of the day, and then we'll wrap it up with the walk-off. What you got for us, Fitty? Well, Walker, one of our favorite events started on Sunday night. The Australian Open. Oh, yeah, I'm ready for it. And uh, my guy, Novak Djokovic, he won and he was very happy to win in his return to the Australian Open. Remember, he didn't compete last year due to his uh, vaccination status where uh, they did not allow him to compete there in Melbourne. I, I asked our boss, Jeff Rickard, this yesterday. He didn't really give me the answer that I was looking for. Do you think Novak Djokovic is the greatest hard surface tennis player of all time. I don't think there's any doubt about it. I mean, who well, who who would compete with him? He he told me Sampras and I was just like, you look at what Novak's done at, at the Aussie Open, not as dominant no. here at the US Open, but so, it's hard to argue, man. To me, when you're talking about you know, geeking out, maybe a minute, maybe we cap this at a uh. minute. But when you're talking about tennis players that do what they do best, Rafael Nadal does what he does best better than anybody else's best accomplishment. And that's Nadal dominates clay court, dominates the French Open. There's nobody better than what he does at the French Open. Djokovic is as close as you can come with what he's done at the Australian Open. And then Roger Federer just all around, just being everybody's favorite because he's like the nicest guy in the world. And he does have a little bit more um, consistency across the the group as far as what you talk about. But, but Djokovic is there, man, 100%. So I, I'm excited to see what will happen. Do you have any tennis Yeah, I have whatsoever? zero opinions on that. I was going to chime in and say that. I'm an Andre Agassi guy from the 90s. Agassi. And uh, yeah, that's where I... Uh, that's what I'm, I'm down with that. Thing. I like Agassi. What no, but sport? no, Djokovic is a monster. I, yeah. I, I still pay attention to it uh, casually. Djokovic is the guy. There's no question about it. What sport bores you more, Wes? Is it tennis or baseball? Um, No, I would go with tennis because, like I said, I'm still a very, very casual novice baseball fan. I enjoy baseball. Does golf beat both of them? Yes. Any interesting oh, you got golf? a golf guy? Yeah. No. Oh, man. We're going to have a Let's Masters viewing Woods. party. Well, I'll be in the corner sleep. I hope y'all got some good food there. In the corner sleep. <laughs> Tiger isn't in the mix. I'm not watching. All right, we got one more segment to go on Weston Walker Sports Radio Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. The tennis combo continued during the break. And I don't know. I, I think it's crazy. But when we started talking, Wes, we started talking about our girlfriend's accomplishments in sports. And I didn't even know till a couple of months ago that my girlfriend has a state championship in high school playing tennis. And we learned the other day that your girlfriend destroyed you in bowling. And it was because she was a collegiate bowler. Like, she's out here getting what? What was it? She got 260 against you or something like that? Yeah, first of all, 
Let's stop with the destroy me narrative, okay? Well, it sounded. I went with her bowling. I had been waiting to go with her to see her bowl, (laughs) and that was my only purpose of really the whole thing was just to see her Mm -hmm. in action and show me why she got a scholarship. I had just been waiting to see that. I could have cared less what I did. But what was the score? It was like two sixty to like one twenty, if that. Sounds like she destroyed you. That's fine. I expected nothing less. I expected nothing less. I'm not telling any lies when I say that. You are not, but I expected nothing less. I went into it with no expectations of winning. (laughs) If you just give up immediately, that is the life goal. It it wasn't even giving up. It was, I'm I'm here bowling, but I'm here to see you show me how great you are. I went to play tennis with my girlfriend. and You got this decimated i got destroyed well we weren't even keeping score so i don't even know if is that the point that she told you that she was that or did you not no, know I at knew, that point no, i knew she was a really good tennis player i just didn't know i mean state championships pretty crazy yeah. i don't know it's something i'd love to accomplish but yeah. i didn't in high school because man our, our claim to fame me playing basketball in high school i we were a couple of games above 500 and we were the first back-to-back over 500 squads at bunker hill in like <laughs> 20 years and that yeah. was our claim. Because tennis, you got to go through a gauntlet to get a championship. How many matches did she have to play? I'm not sure, but it was it was at Myers Park, so like 4A, something like that. I mean, you know. That's what I'm saying. A lot I'm of contestants. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Fitty, where did you finish in church league tennis? Were you number one? Uh, okay. I was too good. They couldn't even keep score. We just out there played for fun. Yeah. Well, did you sit in the chair and everybody would hit it across the net and you would just destroy them with one return? After return? Nah, I was I was better at serving okay. than I was at returning. Okay. That's an excellent breakdown on Church League Tennis. <laughs> Let's go to what's on tap. What's on tap? It's North Carolina Boston College tonight at 7 p.m. Any worries about your heels here, Fitty? No, I, I think, you know, first off, Boston College, not very good away from home. They're 0-4, and even when they are at home, they lost at home to the likes of Maine, New Hampshire, and Tarleton. So I think Carolina... I think they're starting to round into that 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 ACC favorite type of form. I think they get an easy win at home tonight ahead of a big game at home this Saturday against NC State. Now, Fiddy is in charge of what's on tap, but if Wes was in charge of what's on tap, we might get the Carolina Hurricanes game or we might get Wake Forest. Yeah, I was about hosting. to say, I like how you just uh, you know, put that horrible Forest? North Carolina-Boston College game ahead of. I'm catching strays. Undefeated Wake at home level. with number 16 Clemson coming to town. Talk about it. Tell just, them what's up. Yeah. I'm just trying to save you heartbreak if your Deeks lose. Listen, you know what I'm saying? We know Clemson's coming in. We got two of the best shooting teams in the ACC tonight. Tyree Appleby, Hunter Tyson, two ACC Player of the Year candidates on deck tonight in Winston, 9 o'clock. It's going to be a big game, not Boston College and Carolina. <laughs> Give me a break. <laughs> what about NC State, Georgia Tech? Are you going to be paying attention to them at all? Uh, I mean, you'd be paying attention to it, but State should take care of business. I agree. This is the game they can't lose if they want to continue their reputation of us perceiving them as being for real. All right, we'll go back. We'll erase the North Carolina analysis. What's on tap, truly? <laughs> it's going to be Wake Forest hosting Clemson. The later game on ACC Network. Tip is set for 9 p.m. Yeah, no, I think it's going to be a really big matchup. It should be a lot of fun. Interested to see how Hunter Tyson, P.J. Hall play all on the road and what is going to be... Maybe the raucous environment that the Joel has seen outside of the Duke game this year. 
I like Wake Forest because that high-powered offense, I think, outscores Clemson in what should be a fun game. Yeah, a huge chance for a big-time victory. I think when we were looking at their schedule maybe a couple of weeks ago, we weren't anticipating Clemson being a big-time win. But if they're able to do this at home, now it would be, right, with Clemson ranked number 19. So even with the ACC being, quote-unquote, down, according to a Jay Billis and how Clemson can beat anybody in this conference, Wake Forest having a chance to get this big victory. That would be huge for their tournament chances, and they've already done a pretty nice job at providing that cushion at the beginning of the season on a three-game win streak as it currently stands. Fiddy, you were shaking your head at me because you didn't agree with what Jay Billis had to say. Yeah, I mean, look, I get it. Like, I, I believe as much as anybody that the reputation of the ACC goes as far as those two schools separated by eight miles on Tobacco Road are. And look, Duke and Carolina aren't at the top. But if you look at Joe Lenardi's projected tournament field, he's got seven, eight teams in the field. So I think the league is deeper than it was as than it was last year. It's more competitive, but because Duke and Carolina right now aren't one and two, oh, it's the league's not all that good. I watch this league night in, night out. This is as good as the league has been in five or six years. I think the main thing is just the fact of the lack of star power in ACC this year. And I think that's the main thing with the public perception. There's not a lot of, uh, you know, household name caliber guys on a lot of these teams outside of the Carolina players. The Duke freshmen, you know, none of them look like they're going to be NBA studs at this point. You know, you have the Tyree Applebee's, the Quavion Smiths, Isaiah Wong's, but just, you know, just not flooded with just superstars on every team. And I think that's hurting the perception of the league. Well, and I think when people talk about it, you look at the top 10 rankings and you only have Virginia there coming in at number 10. And then you look at the top 20, you have Miami at 17, you have Clemson at 19, and then that's it. And so I think most people will look at the top 25 and say, oh, okay, it's a down year for the ACC because there's not too many people or teams in the top 25. But you yeah. go down a little bit further, and then you're seeing and a lot Carolina of... And then Carolina Duke is not in the top 10. Correct. Exactly. And not even top 25 right now, yeah. which only proves that point. All right, real quickly, let's go to what happened on this day in sports history. What you got for us, Fiddy? All right, guys. On this day in 1971, the first Super Bowl after the NFL and AFL merger took place... And the Baltimore Colts took down my Dallas Cowboys 16-13 to as Jim O'Brien kicked a 32-yard field goal for the deciding score. On this day in 2014, five-time champion Serena Williams becomes became the winningest woman at the Australian Open, notching career win number 61 as she advanced to the fourth round with a 6-3, 6-3 win over Daniela. Ahead, I can't say that, that last name. Hanchuva? Best as we That's can good do. enough. And then lastly, <laughs> uh, on this day in 2016, uh, the Carolina Panthers would build a 31 to nothing halftime lead as they would hold on and beat the Seahawks 31 to 24 to advance to the NFC title game. That Luke Keekley pick six is as loud as yeah. I've ever heard the bank. Oh, I was at draft right next to the stadium watching it at the bar, and it was as loud as I've ever heard a restaurant slash bar, and it was awesome. One of my favorite moments ever watching a sporting event. That'll do it for Wesson Walker. Keep it right here for the Kyle Bailey Show alongside Smoke Ludwig. It's Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.